This is Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us on the podcast series for Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. This season, you'll hear from 11 women across the state. They were nominated by our listeners. This week, we talk with Hope Blackley, former Spartanburg County Clerk of Court, now District Director for Congressman William Timmons. Welcome, Hope Blackley. Before becoming clerk of the court, you spent years as a victim's advocate fighting for those who were victims of crimes. What led you to this work? Well, my degree is in education, but I met an assistant solicitor at the time of name Erica McJempsey, who stated, we have a job opening in the solicitor's office. Maybe you should apply, because I love working with children. And it was a child victim's advocate position. And so I applied for that position and actually got it. So that transcended my path from education into the legal world government. And uh, basically, in that capacity, I prepped children to testify who had been abused. I really loved it. However, it was highly emotional based on the fact that most of those cases were of sexual abuse nature. But that kind of led my path in the different direction and became a huge advocate for victims of crime. Uh, it became personal in 2003 when my sister was murdered. She was murdered here in Spartanburg. And then my stepsister, a three two years later, excuse me, was murdered in Fredericksburg, Virginia by her husband. So both of these cases were a direct result of domestic violence. So that just took on another path in regards to working in government in the legal field and being an advocate for victims of crime. So I've worked on murder cases, criminal domestic violent cases, uh, to sexual abuse cases, so, and, and white collar crimes as well. So I became heavily involved in that, in that line of work. And when Governor Sanford was looking for a crime victim's ombudsman, Trey Gowdy, who was the former solicitor, asked if he could submit my name, and I told him yes. I was looking for a pathway out because of how emotional caseload that I was working on in the solicitor's office was, and uh, obtained the position as crime victims ombudsman under Governor uh, Mark Sanford in Columbia. How have these tragic events in your life, your family members, affected your own career? I think that, I mean, of course, it was a lot of sadness in dealing with the death of both my sisters and my best friend who was murdered by her husband. But it also made me step back because I had already been in that line of work and I'm thinking, well, how am I helping so many other people? But people who are right here close in my life, I missed it. So it took me a minute and I went through some therapy based on that thinking maybe I missed it. Maybe I was putting too much into work and not really paying attention to my uh, relatives and friends in, in the instances that they were dealing with crime and abuse. Now, moving up to your current position as clerk of the court, tell us about that, how you moved into this role and what your challenges are here. Well, I moved in uh, the role as the clerk of the court for Spartanburg County after being uh, called. I had a call from a friend saying, hey, our former clerk of court was arrested. Uh, we were looking for a new clerk of court, someone to be appointed by Governor Sanford. I think you'd be great. We'd love to have you back here in Spartanburg because I was living in Columbia working for the governor. And um, I thought that'd be great. I'd love to come back home. And so I applied for the position and um, tried, to, tried to vet myself and be vetted. Uh, it was a, ve a very interesting uh, vetting process by Governor Sanford, but got through that tedious process. And once the vote was taken, I ended up with the appointment 
Uh, so I finished out the uh, three years of the former clerk, and then I've in, I'm in my second term as an elected official, which wouldn't have ever thought that I would do as someone from the country here in Spartanburg County, as a little country girl running for an office. But I'm um, in my second term, and, um, and I'm very proud of what I've accomplished because there was a lot of work to do in this position. There were some matters that I've taken on that I never would have imagined that I would have to take on, but I've enjoyed it and I've learned a lot. There have been a lot of highs and there have been a lot, a lot of lows, but at the end of the day, for me, religion is very important. And so doing what is right according to God's will, it's, it's how I try to live my life. One of the big challenges has been this building and the fact that it was found that there was mold here and need for remediation. And you successfully introduced legislation that has passed for a new building. Well, I, I, I guess I did support uh, legislation, which was, uh, will be, I'm sure there'll be some pushback because the meaning raising taxes and as someone who is conservative, that wouldn't be the norm. But however, I set out based on the issues that I found upon becoming the manager of the building, if you will, because the clerk court in each county is responsible for the courthouse uh, as well to make sure and educate the public in regards to why we needed a new building. It wasn't a want, it was an actual need. So beginning in 2014 is when I did my first presentation to county council and went throughout the county to civic organizations and clubs and did presentations on why we needed a new structure. And then of course, when county council agreed to put this out for a penny referendum for the constituent base of Spartanburg County to vote on it, it successfully passed. It was a landslide, and I think a lot of people were shocked. I was not shocked uh, based on having support from most conservative folks out of the Tea Party, as well as Republicans and Democrats all came together. It was a bipartisan effort to get this initiative passed. You've worked for years with Congressman Trey Gowdy. Tell us about that experience. Well, I worked for uh, Solicitor Trey Gowdy at that time. He had actually won the election against Holman Gossett, and we all had to re-interview and uh, interview with Mr. Gowdy at that time, and um, he kept me on. and we had a relationship that really blossomed, and he was very encouraging, and I will never forget this. This was probably life-changing as far as my professional career. He came into my office one day and he says, what do you see yourself in five years? And I said, here, I like being a victim's advocate. I, I love my job. And being a mommy, I want to have three more kids because I'd already given birth to my daughter. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have any more kids. But um, he says, I just see you doing something bigger. I could see you being an elected official or doing something bigger for South Carolina. I said, really? I'm okay. I, I mean, you know, I was stunned. No one had ever said anything like that to me. And from that point on, he really pushed and encouraged me to think outside the box in regards to my professional capacity. And like I mentioned earlier, he was the person who stated, I would love to submit your name to Governor Mark Sanford for the crime victims ombudsman. And he was one of the biggest supporters of me coming back in this capacity as the clerk of court. So I, I, I do need to give homage to Trey for seeing something in me that I didn't even see in myself at that point to think that I could really step out of my box and explore a different career path than what I was doing. And now that you've been an elected official, is that something you will continue? 
It is a desire, but at the right time, in the right position, uh, the climate of where we are in our nation, we definitely need good, strong leadership. I think, so I'm gonna work on me to make sure that I'm strong enough to be ready for the next level. Uh, but I, I do feel like I have more to give to uh, South Carolina and to our country. How would you define your overriding life vision and how that has translated into success for your career? My vision is really kind of platitudinal. It's like I want everybody to get along and live happy, but that's not the world we live in. My vision for Spartanburg County, for the state and for this nation is to be open, be honest, to, to acknowledge when there is a correction that needs to be made based on something that may have not gone right or just was done completely wrong. Being accountable, I would like that to be what people say about me or remember about me, that she was accountable, she was open, and that when she spoke, she told the truth, regardless of how hard the resistance might come from that. That's, that's my vision for my life and what you, I do. You've also talked about never allowing limits on your growth. What do you mean by that? Well, that came from my middle school counselor telling me that I wasn't college material and that I needed to go work possibly in a plant job. And when that was said to me, although no one in my family had ever gone to college, I thought, well, I can make that decision. No one is gonna be able to tell me what I can and can't do when it comes to how I should live my life. And so I strive to make sure that I've had good grades and to prove him wrong. That was a great challenge for me. Him telling me that I had a limitation, of course, I feel like I've excelled way past that being told to me. And I think back, and when I speak to students, I'm thinking anyone, even your parents, could tell you you're not suited to do something, but that decision is up to you and what you want to do. And you can make that change by just making sure that you don't take in negative and you think positive and work towards that. Anything can be done. Would you say this was a turning point in your life yes. then? Me being told that I was not college material, although that's what I really wanted to do, was a turning period in my life. What or who gives you the most inspiration? My mom, although she probably would never believe that. My mom is a great provider. She's a very hard worker. Both my parents worked two jobs when we were being reared, and um, we rarely got to see them, but I knew that they were doing the best that they could to give us the life that we had and that, that I now have. And although I see her sometimes very frustrated with life and feeling like she hadn't done enough, her strength is where I get my strength. Although we don't always see the eye, eye to eye on things, but my mother and, and my child, um, it's amazing how much wisdom she has as an 18-year-old now, but I think that's part of her being taken along with me to different functions and sitting in the back room as a single mom and saying, just sit here, mommy's got to make this speech or mommy's got to do this and that and end up having conversation with folks and, and, and seeing real world. I think when she saw, when we were campaigning uh, one time and she saw me asking for votes and there was a gentleman who said, I would never vote for a black woman. And she was so appalled and offended at that. And she just said, I don't understand why people are so mean. And I said, well, that was a lesson I'm glad you got to see because he's entitled to his opinion whether we like it or not. But I respect him for at least telling the truth because he was telling what he felt was his truth, although we don't agree with that. Just think of all the people who feel that way and will not, would never tell you such. So 
know where he, we know where he stands and we know what we have to work for. Glad you saw that, it's okay. That was a great li life lesson to show you that everybody's not gonna agree with you or support you. That life lesson, so what, what lesson, what other lessons would you have for your daughter or for young people today? No matter the obstacles, work hard. Again, never allow anyone else to find or put limitations on your life based on the fact that you are the determining factor on what you can do. Uh, and although efforts or initiatives may be very hard and they may look bleak, if you're doing it for the right reasons and not being self-serving, there'll be a lot of positive that will come out of that. One of the issues that women face is work-life balance. You've talked about your daughter, you've talked about your mom, dad. Um, how have you been able to overcome those issues? I don't know if I've even overcome such an issue. Uh, it's been very hard trying to balance it because I wanted, be, based on me being an elected official, I didn't want to be that elected official who just shows up during campaign time. Wanted to be consistent, but what I found out was I can't do everything. And my daughter has quickly reminded me on several occasions that I'm not present with her and she's all I have. So pulling back, scaling back and making sure that I'm spending time with her. I even had my assistant remind me on Wednesdays, that's my evening with my daughter, Curran, um, and that I don't really need to be planning anything or doing anything else. And I've been try I've been always been consistent with that, but spending as much time as I can with her and when she says she needs mama, nothing else comes before that. And her her mom is there. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking now, and what one of the big things we do is go to the movies. Uh, she loves going to the movies. And so when I come home at night for the last two to three years, I might sit in the car and I'm finishing up a phone call, but most importantly, when I walk through the, my home, I'm not on the phone and she has my attention. And that she, she, that's been one of her chief complaints that I'm always on the phone. Or when we're out here in Spartanburg, someone's complaining about their child support or an issue. Uh, in my official capacity and I stop them and tell them I can't talk to you about that I'm with my my daughter. So you set that boundary. Yeah, setting boundaries. We've seen the role of women change and most recently the Me Too movement. How has that affected gender issues? I think it's brought, the Me Too movement has brought many issues that women have dealt with in the dark to the light. Uh, I do feel like it's been exposed for what it is. Uh, there's still more work to do but people are being held accountable. I mean, I can think of multiple incidents where I'm trying to get work done or I, when I was in Columbia, I was allowed to lobby for a new entity in the Crime Victims Ombudsman's office and having uh, a gentleman say, you know, you look really nice in that suit, not hearing one word I'm stating in regards to my talking points. And I'm sure many women have those stories that you can go on and on, but it's women coming together and working together and standing up and, and, and needing to be heard on these issues because we have jobs to do and it can't be based on how you look or what someone wants to get to that next level. Uh, I'm very proud of my career and knowing that I've stood fully on firm foundation without having to compromise any of my values to do what I'm doing and hopefully where I'm going that won't ever be a problem but I will call it out the way it needs to be called out. You have been honored in the community as a leader. How do you define leadership? Simply is making other leaders. It's really just that simple, I'm only as good as my team and if my team isn't good then I'm not good. Uh, when I mention staff members, I say we work together, and some will quickly say, well, you're my boss. I say, yeah, but we work together. I can only be your boss if we're working together. Again, and if you have something to implement or if there's something that you have an opinion on, I want to hear about it. 
again, I'm only as good as my team. So I lend my platform for others to voice and, and take initiatives on, on things to make them leaders as well. Was there a particular teacher in mind who motivated you in a positive way growing up? Judith Henderson. She was my chemistry teacher at Dorman High School. Even after that uh, conversation in middle school, science was not my forte, uh, but she went the extra mile to help me. Uh, I passed her class with flying colors, but she made it interesting. She saw that I was having a problem and went out of her way to help me. And we've, we have uh, formed a wonderful friendship even to this day, and I tell her every time I see her what she meant to me and her words of encouragement and dealing with some family issues in high school, she let me vent to her. She was just someone who was there. She did. She went way above her calling as a teacher to not just be my teacher, but my, but my friend, and that meant a lot to me. And that you carry with you today. I carry with me. I saw her the other day. She says, I understand you were speaking to a group of teachers, welcoming them back for the school year, and you stated I was your favorite teacher. I said, well, I tell you that every time I see you, do you think I'll just say that? She says, well, I didn't realize that you really, really meant it that way. I said, no, I don't know if you've ever seen me be interviewed or if I give a speech, you are the teacher that I mention as the one who changed and instilled more values in me. And I said, I need to thank you again. And she just gave me a hug and just like, that's why I love you. <laughs> but um, it take, it's teachers like that that uh, can make or break a student as well. And when you talk about leadership, you're talking about mentorship then as yes. well. So it goes right on hand through. Hand in hand, hand in hand. And um, everyone is going through something and it can affect their job. I try to meet people where they are. I mean, there are people who come into this courthouse every day. They have issues that they're dealing with, but they still need to be treated as human beings. I'm not the judge or the maker on anything that they've done, and I'm here to do a job, and I want my staff to treat people with uh, respect and dignity, no matter what they've been charged with. And you might be that bright spot in that person's day. Um, again, I know it all sounds platitudinal, but I really do try to live that. I mean, there are times when I'm stern and, and we have to get things done because we still have a job to do and, and some people resist that. But at the end of the day, everybody's going through something and if we can just meet them where they are and help them grow from that, then I've done my job in my life, not just in my professional career. Thank you. The Honorable Hope Blackley. Thank you. You've been listening to Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. You can find video stories and other resources on KnowItAll and SCETV.org. Subscribe to this podcast on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, or wherever you find podcasts to hear the rest of stories from this season. The producer of Women Vision SC for South Carolina Public Radio and the podcast series is A.T. Shire. William Richardson is the producer-director of the television series. Zhao Yu is associate producer. Tyora Moody is web manager. Special thanks to Bobby Kennedy, director of special projects. For SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio, I'm Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>